Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. All right, we're live. We're going to let the stream breathe just for exactly two seconds. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle. It's powered by Overtime Media. And I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we each took a little bit of time today, scratched together, grabbed our crystal ball and scratched together a 53-man roster projection. And I know it's going to trigger a lot of questions. It's way too early, by the way, to be doing this. But nevertheless, we love you, Steve. It's going to trigger the, but hey, don't rosters swell to 55 now in the wake of the new CBA? Yes and no. You, there, 53 players are going to make the roster and two practice squad players on a game by game basis can be temporarily promoted to the, to the roster, but then they go right back down after the game. So on a Sunday, yes, there could be 55 players on the roster, but on Monday it's back down to 53. Don't ask me to make heads or tails of it, but we're sticking with 53. Yeah. I, uh, it's simple. You know, simplicity is, is what I love, Chad. I'm a traditionalist. I like things, keeping it consistent and keeping, you know, easy. So 53 is what we went for there. And I think, we mostly agreed on our roster about 98% of the way, but that 2% difference, I think, will spark some debate, and I'm happy to get into it tonight for the mailbag. It's going to be fun, and we're going to try and blaze through the 53-man reveal as quickly as possible because this is the Mile High Mailbag. We are your football priests. Each and every week, we're here to offer you the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions, and this is our favorite podcast of the week, and so we're Anxious to get to your questions here in just a second. First, though, a couple of quick matters of business. As you know, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's how you keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with this show in real time. And while you're at it, make sure you also follow the main account, at MileHighHuddle. And as things are getting back to normal slowly, as things are opening up across the United States, kind of on a state-by-state basis, get yourself uh, one of the Mile High Huddle masks, something to help you stay safe when you're out and about doing your thing in style with the MHH branding. It's a mile high huddle mask. You guys got to check it out. Huddleuppod.com. I would dare say, Zach, it's probably been since we listed it on the site, you know, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, it's probably been the number one seller on, on the merch store. 
hotcakes, Chad. That and the mug we have on there, just completely yep. just going and going and going. But the, the the neck scarf, the neck protector, I mean, with these times right now, it's probably going to continue into the summer, unfortunately. So if you guys want one, be sure to pick one up. And if you're not in a position to patronize the huddleuppod.com, it's all good. Don't feel like you need to. We're not uh, – it's, it's not a demand by any stretch of the imagination. What we do ask, though, is at the very least you like this video, what, no matter where you're like or, or watching, excuse me, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, starting again tomorrow. It'll be on Facebook again. You might be listening after the fact. You might be – if you're live, whatever, like this video at any point. It's a simple, easy, organic way to help support the show. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach. And before we dive into the 53-man roster, we got to circle back and make amends because amid the hubbub and excitement of yesterday's podcast, we missed three Super Chat superstars that we need to give a quick shout out to. First and foremost, James Campbell. And uh, I guess, you know, it's kind of uh, to show his comment right now because he was responding to something that another superstar, Terry, had said. Uh, It would kind of defeat the purpose, but James Campbell, we really appreciate you, my friend. As you know, I reached out to you after the pod, and uh, sorry we missed you. It's rare. Once in a blue moon, it'll happen, so thanks for bearing with us. Jose Lopez, this one is a bona fide question. And then also Freddie A. jumped in with a super saying, keep up the great stream, guys. Really appreciate it. And it was good to connect with uh, both Freddie and Jose on Twitter after the pod yesterday, Zach. It was, uh, we do, you know, we acknowledge that we can't get to every question, but we try to fit everyone in in the hour that we're on here. But we always try to circle back and take care of our, our super chat superstars and everyone who has a question for us. So I'm happy to get into it tonight. Okay, really quickly, here's what Jose said yesterday $20 super. Appreciate you, you, Jose. That's awesome. Longtime listener, just followed on Twitter. Love you guys. Do you guys have faith that Bryce Callahan will come off his second foot surgery and have the same? production as he did in Chicago in the slot. So Zach, how are you feeling confidence wise in Bryce Mm -hmm. Callahan being the Bryce Callahan of December, 2018? 
But it was such a small sample size because who was he before that season, Chad? He was still a rel- relative unknown, and we mentioned it yesterday, that he's still unproven, so he has to come back and show that he can be a consistent player, and it wasn't just a one-year or a one-multi-week span. I do have cautious optimism that his foot thing is behind him now. He's been out of football for a year. He's had multiple operations. The Broncos have taken him sl- slow. They've mothballed him. They held his hand through all this. I think he'll come back and be healthy and be a solid contributor. Is he going to be the next version of Chris Harris Jr.? No. Akeem Tlaib? No. Is he going to be the next Hall of Fame cornerback? No. But he's going to be a solid slot guy, and in conjunction with the other cornerbacks on the roster, they'll have a nice secondary. You know, he modeled his game. His his hero was Chris Harris Jr. because they're both, you know, Chris Harris, if you're an undrafted corner, he's the idol. He's the guy that all of those undrafted corners look up to because yeah. he made himself into a legend. They didn't quite get to play together last year, but I'm hoping that Callahan was able to soak in how Chris Harris Jr. approaches the game and that that'll eventually pay dividends. Uh, Zach, I want to grab a couple of quick supers here from Mark, and then we'll dive into the 53. Really appreciate you, Mark. And by the way, don't worry about changing the profile pick. You got to flex. You got to rep the colors. Orange and blue, baby. It's all good. He says, what's up, my guys? Chad, don't be pissed that I changed my profile pick. Just temporary. Just got my new gear in. So that being said... (laughs) Those hashtags, though. <laughs> yes, sir, indeed. I can't read them out loud just because this is family-friendly, but you know we love you, Mark. Yes. Hashtag 2020 Broncos Country Draft Hat. Hashtag Football Priest. Hashtag MHH. You're the and best, he, Mark. He, you really are, my friend. He jumps back in with another super. Thank you. Garrett used toilet bowls. Had 17 penalties last year. That's 17 toilet bowls that needs to be cleaned up. I'd, I'll say it again. You can't flush six foot five, <laughs> 300 pound turd, let alone if it breaks in half in the middle of a flush. <laughs> you guys think I, I hate Garrett next flush. <laughs> Mark, I want to know how long you spent crafting that phenomenal super chat. <laughs> One more from him, too. Oh, man. Judge Judy is now in court prosecuting the AFC West for landing on D's for these so-called draft analysts that are found guilty. Hashtag don't know Jack. Hashtag family friends show. <laughs> hashtag Santa Bean. Hashtag Orange oh, Crush. Man, it's not, a, it's not a bona fide huddle up podcast unless Mark Langley is weighing in <laughs> on Super Chat. It just, it just makes everything right with the world. Unless he's dropping those puns, Chad. I don't feel at home. So, Mark, you're the best. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for just the comedy you provide us, the laughs you provide. It's, it's really a nice sense of levity through all this. All right, guys. Let's go through. We're going to get to your questions. I promise you any super chats. If the stream stacks up and it ends up jumping, I will pull them off Twitter or excuse me off YouTube and we will get to them no matter what tonight. Uh, And we'll try to get to as many non super chats as possible tonight as we always try to do. But first let's get to what our superstar Steve asked of us yesterday that we had to kind of kick the can down the road because we weren't prepared to answer it in the moment. Frankly, when Steve asked that question yesterday, Zach, I hadn't even put any thought at any point post-draft as to what the 53 is going to yeah. look like. So that being said, I'm going to go through each position really quick, and let's let's try and rapid-fire these and tell you who each of us have making this roster. So at quarterback, I have the Broncos keeping two. Drew Locke, Jeff Driscoll, Zach, same. 
Zach, what's your rationale, though, for Brett Rippon not being uh, kept? You just don't need him. You don't need a project Trevor Simeon upside quarterback on the 53-man roster. Locke should stay healthy. You know, knock wood, cross my fingers. Jeff Driscoll is a, is a veteran, competent backup. You don't need to carry three quarterbacks in this day and age anymore. It's just not what teams do. So I think it's pretty cut and dry. You need Locke and Driscoll. That's all you really have to have on the roster. Yeah, and so long as you feel confident you can sneak ripping onto the practice squad, you know, you could call him up on game days to just in case. I mean, he could be one of those two practice squad guys that you activate on a game day. So that's just kind of a feather to keep in the cap. All right, running back, I have. Now, again, this is an offense. Let's keep in mind, in years past, we would have to count a fullback amongst the running backs totals for the 53. Andy Janovich dealt away because Pat Shermer, not a huge fan of using the fullback in his offense. Any point that you're going to see where a normal fullback would be used, he'll bring in a tight end to block here and there uh, in the backfield. So I've got the Broncos keeping three. That's today. And I completely am open to the idea that either Levante Bellamy or even Kalfani Muhammad, we'll see who else might end up landing in Denver, could end up jumping in and making this a four-man rotation. But I've got Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, Royce Freeman, and Zach, you have the same. What was your analysis? They all carry injury risks, but they all complement each other in different ways. You have the two spark plugs. You have the between the tackles guy and Royce Freeman. They're all. It's a fairly solid three-headed running back attack. And even though it's going to be a non-committee approach this year, I'm guessing with Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, it's still nice to have Freeman as your number three. You don't need to carry four running backs beyond that. The offense is they're going to work that the running backs in and keep them healthy. So. Uh, save a roster spot for somewhere somewhere else on the team. Okay, a wide receiver. I've got the Broncos keeping six. Let me let me just take a quick peek here. Ooh, interesting. Here's a here's a point of yeah. demarcation. The first yes. today so far. So here's who I got. Six six wideouts: Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton, Jawan Winfrey. Now let's not forget Jawan Winfrey was a sixth round pick. The Broncos traded up to grab last year. Zach, meanwhile, has the Broncos keeping five, Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Patrick, Hamilton. So we're sharing a brain on both Patrick and Hamilton still making the cut this year, at least at this point, but you're not feeling Juwan Winfrey. I just don't think you need six wide receivers. You have great pass-catching tight ends. You brought in Melvin Gordon to catch passes. You have Phillip Lindsay. How many more pass-catchers do you have on one offense? Winfrey did not show me much in the preseason. He didn't show me much in college. He's kind of a jag the Broncos are loaded with those type of possession, big body receivers. I would just go light and carry five. That should be more than enough, Chad. If someone gets injured during the season, they can sign or call someone up. But going into September, I think five is all they need. Okay, at tight end, we each have the Broncos keeping four, and we each agree on which four it is. And it's kind of a surprise because only two of these four are tight ends the Broncos have drafted, and they have been in each of the last two years. So we've got Noah Fant. <clears throat> excuse me, Alberto, Nick Vanette, and Andrew Beck making these this uh, 53-man roster. That means the likes of Jeff Hireman, Jake Butt, and even Troy Fumagalli. Bye-bye. Zach are on the outside looking in. Yeah, and the thing about Beck is he can play fullback too, so you're getting a fullback and tight end with one spot. And uh, I'm not a fan of Vanette. I do like Noah Fan. I do like Alberto, but to carry that fourth guy, that's why you go lighter at quarterback, and that's why you go lighter at wide receiver to get that two-and-one with someone like Andrew Beck. All right, let me take a quick peek at offensive line. Okay, here's what we've got. We have another point of demarcation here. I've got the Broncos keeping nine. Zach has the Broncos keeping nine, but it doesn't quite add up the same. Here's what I've got. 
Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, Juwan James, followed by the reserves of Elijah Wilkinson, Natani Muti, Patrick Morris, and Austin Schlotman. Zach, meanwhile, his nine are Bowles, Reisner, Cushenberry, Glasgow, James, Wilkinson, Muti, Morris, and a veteran offensive tackle. In other words, someone that the Broncos will add in the future. I just don't see them going into the season with Wilkinson being the swing guy behind Bowles and James. They have to have some sort of uh, veteran insurance behind them. There's a reason why they didn't draft a pure tackle in the draft, Chad. I would just like to see between now and training camp, a guy like Jason Peters, Cordy Glenn, Calvin Beecham. I do think they will add one guy along the O-line, and that will be a veteran tackle. Especially if you actually listen to what Elway said in his post-draft presser, that they realized we've got to get better at offensive tackle. Well, if you got to get better, why did you not draft one? <laughs> right. Maybe or in one. the second or third round, there were some decent prospects there. His response was they didn't feel like the value based on their board matched up at any point in rounds two and three to grab a potential premium round offensive tackle. So we'll see how it shakes out, but I wouldn't be surprised if Zach's version is how it ends up coming out in the wash. Let's jump to the other side of the ball on the defensive line. I've got the Denver Broncos keeping six. Zach has them keeping seven. Here's what I've got. Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, McTelvin Ajim, Christian Covington. So that adds up to six. Covington, of course, is the new player they signed two days ago, former Dallas Cowboy. Zach has him keeping seven. Casey, Harris, Purcell, Jones, Demarcus <laughs> Walker, Ajim, and – oh, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, and, and uh, Covington. So you're throwing in Demarcus Walker, Zach. I wanted to cut him. I, I do think ultimately he, maybe he won't make the team. I'm inclined to agree with your projection there. I just want to give him one more chance, Chad. He he was a second-round pick. They gave Gottes his full contract, the Broncos did. Why not give Demarcus Walker the same opportunity? Every time he's on the field, he's around the football. He's, around, he's making plays. I just want to see what he can do in Vic Fangio, second year. If he doesn't cut it, cut him, get rid of him, move on. But I just want to keep him to see what he can do. You're right. They did give Gottes his full rookie contract. And let's face it. Walker's upside is significantly higher than Gotts's. There could be a lot oh, yeah. bigger payoff if the Broncos show some some continued patience in what is a contract year for Walker. So it, it, it will be interesting to see how that shakes out. Now, let's jump to the edge position. I got the Broncos keeping, of course, uh, five with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Jerry Attachu, the rookie seventh rounder, Derek Tuska, and Justin Hollins. Meanwhile, Zach at edge has the Broncos keeping the uh, – replace – Tuska with Malik Reed. So Vaughn Chubb, Atachu, Malik Reed, and Holland. So I'm saying I like the seventh rounder this year out of North Dakota State making it. You're saying don't sleep on Malik Reed. I just, you know what you have in Malik Reed. You don't know what you have in Tuska yet. And he's a, he's a rookie. He's a very high upside rookie, but he's a practice squad candidate for me, Chad. Put him on there for a year, develop him slowly. Malik Reed, I think, earned an opportunity uh, to make the backup spot behind Atachu and Von Miller. So I'm just, I'm rolling with him, him and Hollins, the two young guys. I'm good with it. He did kind of help Fangio, help save Fangio's bacon after Chubb went down. He ended up hitting that rookie wall. And that's when Atachu ended up really coming in uh, big time for the Broncos. But I'm with you. I'm kind of torn on that because I love the upside of Tuska or Tuska, however you pronounce it. And I think he could be an impact player, but he might need a year to marinate. And I think, as you say, uh, Malik showed uh, enough last year to earn an opportunity. All right, let's jump to the off-ball position. I've got the Broncos keeping five. 
Todd Davis, Alexander Johnson, Josie Jewell, Justin Strenad, and Joseph Jones. Zach has the Broncos keeping the exact same five. I don't know how there could really be a curveball here. The only one really missing, Zach, would be uh, Josh Watson, one of last year's college free agents. Now he's a practice squad guy. You have depth now behind Todd Davis. So, you know, Stranod, he can replace Davis in the lineup. You have Johnson, who's the star there. Josie Jewell is still a nice backup to have. He's like the Royce Freeman in the linebacking core. Just a dependable <laughs> veteran. You know what you have in him. Good guy to have for depth purposes. All right, corner and safety, and then we're done. I've got the Broncos keeping six. Let me just take a quick peek at the number here. Zach has the Broncos keeping six as well. All right. Here's what I got. A.J. Bouye, Bryce Callahan, Devontae Bosby, Michael Ojemudia, Isaac Yadam, and a college free agent by the name of Asang Bassey. Zach has the Broncos keeping Bouye, Callahan, Ojemudia, Bosby, Devontae Harris instead of Yadam, and the college free agent, Asang Bassey. So what was your logic there, Harris over Yadam? Harris showed really oh. well t- to, you'll see where Yadam yeah. is placed next. But Harris showed really well to me last year when it was just Chris Harris Jr. and a bunch of nobodies in the secondary. I thought Harris, for being a, a relative unknown, stepped up and played really well in Vic Fangio's scheme. He has the body type. He has the the talent, the ability. I like to see what he can do, Chad. And if I prefer him to be the cornerback five more than Yadam to be the cornerback five. But we'll see where Yadam lands in just a second here. Very creative is Zach here on his safety picks. I've got the Broncos keeping four. He's got the Broncos keeping four, but not the four you might think. Mm-hmm. I've got the Broncos keeping Justin Simmons, of course, Kareem Jackson, of course, Trey Marshall instead of maybe Yadam. Or, uh, excuse me, who who was the – let me see your other your third. Hold on. I just went off the rails there. No, you both we both got Marshall. Okay. And the fourth for me is the college free agent from Texas Tech, Douglas Coleman. Meanwhile – I like what Zach's thinking here, and I might have copied him if I would have read this ahead of time. (laughs) Simmons, Jackson, Trey Marshall, and Isaac Yadam. Zach, we've heard rumblings that the Broncos might have a position change in mind for Isaac Yadam and, you know, get him away from corner and play him at safety. And that's what you have in terms of your roster map. I just think it fits him better. It's keeping the play in front of him, keeping the action in front of him. He doesn't have to react, doesn't have to turn around and find the ball because he can't do that anyway. He's shown that, Chad, for a couple years now. He just literally can't turn his head around. I like Yadam a lot more, his body type and his skill set to play at safety. It'd be interesting. Coleman, though, I was torn. I think he'll have a good shot of making it, but at the very least, practice squad guy. Coleman's uh, PR group that works with his agent sent us a cut-up of some of his film. And even, you know, as a Texas Tech Raider, uh, Red Raider, he can there's there's some film of him out there on YouTube, but they sent us something and I watched that and I thought Trickle's evaluation of Coleman being a quintessential Fangio DB. I saw that as well watching his film, which was the first time I really studied Coleman. So we'll see. And guys, again, this is way too early 53 man roster projection. Way he, too early. No rookie mini camp in terms of cleats on the grass. Everything's being done virtually, no OTAs. Time will tell. We'll see how the dust settles, but that is your 53-man roster projection from the Huddle Up podcast. Again, way too early. And yes, Steve, hope you enjoyed that, my friend, whether you're with us live currently or if you're listening after the fact. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children. 
changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Now let's jump in to the stream here and see what is on everybody's mind. Bear with me one second. Whoop, and there it went. All right, let me go to the top. All right, Zach, while we grab, while you grab TG, I'll respond as well to his, his comment here. I'm going to just jump into YouTube and, and start grafting in some of the supers. Yeah, TJ kind of TG kind of roasted me a little bit here, dropping ten dollars. Appreciate that, TG. Thank you. Thank no you, matter what you, no matter what you say. Uh, breaking news: The Broncos signed Zach as a tight end, and in practice, smoked Todd Davis. LOL. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would take the game check or the the, the check they're going to give me and just say peace. But yeah, I, I'm not a Todd Davis fan. I think TG. That's one thing you and I agree on. There, we differentiate on Garrett Bowles, our opinions, but Todd Davis needs to go, and hopefully, one of these linebackers on the roster will finally push him off. You never know. I mean. I'm not going to pull up his contract at over the cap right now, but the Broncos might still, well, if they pick up the option, I'll, I'll, I'd have to research it to see if it's guaranteed against anything other than injury, but they might be able to move on from Todd Davis if a linebacker rises in training camp and defer him as a post-June first cut and save maybe $5 million. Now, I'm not, I can't say that for sure because I'll have to do a little research on that contract, but – might be Justin Sternad. He might <clears throat> be that guy that could come in and perhaps threaten a guy like Todd Davis. Thank God. Hopefully. We need, just need him off the roster. You know, we got a question here that says, why does everyone kind of crap on Todd Davis? I won't say the word there. It's because he's a very two-dimensional player. Good against the run. You know, he, he's good as a, a team leader. He's been around the block for a while. He's experienced, but offers nothing in terms of coverage, offers nothing in terms of third down, no sideline to sideline ability. We've just seen enough of him throughout the years. They've replaced every other member of the, of the previous regime's defense. Davis is the last link to go. I... I'll admit that I think sometimes the antipathy for Todd Davis is a little overboard, but he's just a limited player. Even if you put on the 
rosiest of, of glasses to analyze Todd Davis. He can be a very dominant run defender in terms of fitting the run. He doesn't miss tackles. He can be instinctual. He can get off the blocks and all that. But as Zach said, it's that twitchy athleticism that he's missing, going sideline to sideline, yeah. turning around in coverage. He's just – it's a recipe for disaster. And opposing offensive coordinators, especially down the stretch last year, what they tried to do was draw Davis and Alexander Johnson out to the slot in base and just pick them apart with a tight end or a wide receiver to great success down the yeah. stretch, which is why it was incumbent upon Elway and Fangio – to get another linebacker into this uh, this core that could perhaps help with that. Um, and that's where Sternad comes into play. Now, Bronx legend, super chat, superstar, bona fide. Thank you, Bronx. Jumping in, $5 super. And by the way, you should uh, reach out to us. I don't think we've done this with you yet, Bronx legend, but you should email us, milehighhuddle at gmail.com, and give us your personal deets so that we can send you a little thank you. You've been so consistent. We really appreciate yeah. it. And he wanted to know, of course, this is before we went through the 53 how many tight ends do you guys think we'll keep? Zach and I share a brain on this. We see it as being four. Fant, Alberto, Andrew Beck, and uh, Vinette. That's right, Vinette. You know what, though? Reading some of the comments, I'm now a little – I'm not skeptical about Beck, but they don't use a uh, fullback much in the Shermer system, and Alberto apparently can play some fullback, H-back. So if they want to go that route, I wouldn't want the Broncos forcing too much on his plate, Alberto, in his rookie season. But if Beck doesn't make it, if they go three, I, if they do use a fullback, he can fill that role. All right, let me grab this one here from Malachi. Jumping in really early. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Malachi. He says, if – Justin Simmons plays under the franchise tag this season. Who are some other players you think we would re-sign after this season? FYI, awesome stuff. Cool. Thank we really appreciate you on both levels yeah. there, Malachi. Who are some players that we could we would re-sign after this season? I'm trying to think. So it's going to be the 2017 class. Who's left over? Demarcus Walker. Um, I'm trying Bowles. to think. Foles, <laughs> yeah. But again, we'll we're going to know within a week. Uh, we'll, we'll probably know by Monday whether or not the Broncos are going to pick up his fifth-year option. If they don't, he will be in a contract year this year as well as Demarcus Walker. But I'm thinking all those third-round picks are gone. Langley and Henderson gone, Carlos Henderson. Um, fourth round, I can't remember the fourth round. Fifth was Isaiah McKenzie gone. Um, who else Who else from that class? Either Chad way. Kelly and, and Jaden Williams gone, gone. Uh, that's right. That's right. Except Williams was 2018. Uh, okay. Nevertheless, I can't off the top of my head, besides Walker and potentially Bowles, I'm trying to think who might also. Lindsey. I mean, Lindsey is not from the draft class, but a player that could be signed after the season. Is it, That's the question. If I'm reading, he it right. should be. I hope he does. I mean, he's still under team control for as a restricted free agent after this season. So I think the Broncos will tender him worst case scenario, but man, Ellen needs to just find some money to pay Lindsay so that they can keep everything copacetic in that locker room. Yeah, I'm thinking also uh, AJ Johnson, maybe if he's eligible for a contract after the year, if he shows well in his second starting season, Chad, I think they would have to break the bank. They're not going to have Todd Davis under contract. So that's one dependable guy to lock down for the future. Yep. And Davis, if they end up keeping him, and the odds are they will, um, he'll be. A free agent, so he could be in line, but I doubt the Broncos are really thinking about seriously keeping him around beyond 2020. Boise man jumping in, $20 super. No, thank thank you, you, my friend. 
If you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out. This goes to all of our Super Chat superstars. Reach out to us. Let you know. Let us know who you are so we can connect and, and give you shout-outs and tags after the podcast. He says, Colin Cowherd put Denver at number 10 in early power rankings, which is very high. He's very high on the Broncos uh, offseason and seems to pay closer attention to teams than the other hacks uh, <laughs> like uh, Adam Rank. And then he says, um, why do you think he rubs people the wrong way so often? Of course, speaking to Colin Cowherd, you know, it's uh, honestly, it comes down to just people like, you know, when you've got a bold opinion on anything, I mean, your job as a radio shock jock host is to have bold opinion and, and bold prediction after one after the other. And that's sometimes going to rub people wrong. I mean, there's a lot of people that hate. I mean, I could go through every show, for example, at 104.3 The Fan, and there's going to be a contingent of people that hate some, one of those hosts on each and every show. Yeah. And don't ask. I mean, it's just people. It's just the way it is. And Cowherd, maybe it's a little bit more extreme with some because of how he conveys things and the tonality he uses and whatnot. But he's also right a heck of a lot of the times that. It just shows, though, how desperate we are for a national media member to compliment the Broncos if we're praising and referencing Colin Coward, of all people, a guy who's a meme in most other platforms and most other environments, and we're praising him for, you know, complimenting the Broncos. I don't – it's nice, but it's not – it doesn't do anything for me personally. If he can say nice things, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what the Broncos do on the field. They can keep hating, though, but the, everyone will see by 2020 year-end what the Broncos are truly made of. Michelle Parker jumping in with a $20 super. Thank, Thank you. you. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out. Anyone who anyone thinks the Broncos will sign a free agent tackle in the next couple of weeks, much love, fellas. You know, thank you again, Michelle. I don't know if it'll be the next couple of weeks. I think we're. I'm going to take my cues based on what they end up deciding to do in the next few days with Garibald's fifth year. Yeah. If they do end up picking up his option, I think that – the offensive tackle question of adding an additional one is something they kick down the road until July or whenever training camp begins. Let them get a beat on how the Wilkinson Bowles uh, competition is shaping up. If they don't pick up the option, I could see them maybe making a move here in the very near future to bolster that depth and they're not playing anymore. They're sending a message to Bowles. I mean, it's one thing to say publicly after the draft, we need to get better at offensive tackle this is an open competition. I mean, that does send a message to Bulls, and it's never been that – always never been that direct in terms of trying to telegraph to Bulls anything, really. So that was a departure. That's new, but I still think it's going to be followed with on the heels, Zach, the caboose of that is, but we still love you. Here's your fifth-year right. option and $11 million. But look at the competition he's being put, you know, the, the competitor he's going to face is Elijah Wilkinson, who's an awful tackle. Like you and I chatter better tackles than Wilkinson is. So if, if Bowles loses to him, what does that say about Bowles? And if Wilkinson starts, he's still Wilkinson. He's still a liability. They have to reinforce the offensive line right now. Your theory, Chad, can well be spot on. But if they follow that, it's a little ludicrous to me because you have Jason Peters out there, one of the best left tackles in the game. Kelvin Beecham, Cordy Glenn, these are day one starters in a worst-case scenario. They would be your backup behind Garrett Bowles and Juwan James. They cannot go into the season, as far as I'm concerned, with no proven depth behind those two guys. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Interesting question here from I am Supreme 22 jumping in with a $2 super. Thank, Thank you. you. Rank the top five players in order of importance in 2020. Lock, 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 lock. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's actually not too much of a stretch, but I don't know. For <laughs> me, it would, it would it would be lock um Vaughn. Hmm. Sutton probably or Judy. Chubb's got to bounce back. Callahan, probably. I don't know. I'd have to put some thought into that, Zach. I'm going to add Simmons in there, especially if he gets his big contract. He's going to have the pressure to perform, and now he's the he's the leader of that secondary with Chris Harris Jr. gone. So he has to live up to it, and that's still the bread and butter of the Broncos' D was, is their secondary. Bradley Chubb's important because he's the bookend to Vaughn and also Vaughn's future replacement. It all starts and ends, though, with Drew Locke. If he takes that step forward, it doesn't matter really what anyone 2, 3, 4, or 5 does. It all matters what Drew Locke does under center. I would say for the Broncos to really – continue their trajectory of bouncing off the bottom. You need Drew Locke to to take that step. And then I think you need Bradley Chubb to not only come back healthy, but come back and be like a like a Adrian Peterson caliber turnaround coming off an ACL injury. Like a guy that just comes out of nowhere basically based you know as far as the NFL is concerned and takes the NFL by storm. I want to add Garrett Bowles in there as well, Chad. That's someone I can't claim, you know, credit for that. Someone said that in the comment here. Jody says uh, Bowles is absolutely spot on. If he's your left tackle with Drew Locke as the quarterback, he's an important player. I hate to put my eggs in his basket, but if he protects Drew Locke, this offense should take a step forward. If he doesn't, it could be another painful season. I can't remember whose name that was on the card that you just deleted, but I went past it. Or when you put Bowles on, we, we touched on the Bowles thing. I think it's going to happen. Zach, I think you're still pretty suspicious that it will uh, happen, right? Picking up his option? Yeah. Yeah, I think it will. I, I was on the no side a week ago, but I think it will happen now. Between the Broncos not adding a tackle and Elway wanting to give his, his first-round pick another opportunity, I, I do think it will be picked up. All right, let's see here. I know there are some supers, but I want to see. Higher Learnings wants to know. I don't know. Are you – I assume he's addressing us. 
So you wouldn't motion Beck into the backfield to block on the goal line. I don't know if you're talking to someone else in the stream, but that's the type of fullback usage that you'll see from Beck if they keep him. And if it's not Beck, it'll be a tight end, goal line situation, short yardage. It'll be two tight ends on the field. You'll see one motion in, lead block at times. That's how Shermer utilizes the fullback. So whether it ends up being Beck or someone else, we think it'll be Beck, but they still got to – you know, their cleats got to hit the grass. They still have to battle it out and let the chips fall. But isn't this why they signed Vinette for his blocking ability? Isn't that why he got $7 million, Shed? I mean, he should be that six offensive lineman, not make your fullback be a blocker. It's just setting up your offense in that play for a bad outcome. That's why they brought aboard Vinette. So I think that should be his, his role on goal line situations. Yeah, Kathy, we definitely remember the Evan Mathis signing, and that's what we reserve. You know, what we say is when you get to training camp, you need a little bit of Evan Mathis money in case you get to the competition of camp and it's not looking the way you want it to look or there's an injury. You got a little Evan Mathis fund to go out and find someone on the street. You know how things move, too. Once once you get to the doorstep of the season, rosters begin to resolve themselves. There's always a handful of surprise cuts. And Evan Mathis was one of those guys for the Broncos in 2015 who went on to block for um, C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman. Ronnie Hillman led the team in rushing in 2015, which is surprising. C.J. Anderson came on down the stretch and then took over as the guy throughout the playoffs, had a few big games in the playoffs, including a solid performance in Super Bowl 50, as did Evan Mathis, who was playing opposite of Luis Vasquez that year. That was the last time they had a Two dominant interior guards. Two, and th- they could this year. I mean, with Reisner and Glasgow, I can't wait to see how that shakes out. My thing, though, is if they wait, Peter's not going to be available. Cordy Glenn, these guys are available now. You don't have to worry about potential cuts in the future if these guys are on the open market waiting to be signed today. So I, I agree with the premise of that comment. You always have to have a rainy day fund, but you need to tackle. There's three good ones on the board right now. Go and sign one. Kenneth wants to know, do you see any draft picks taking starters jobs? If yes, who? Well, right out of the gates, Jerry Judy is going to take the Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton. They kind of rotated down the stretch opposite of Sutton. So there's one. Um, Cush. Cush is going to take the center job. I don't know if he's necessarily taking that from someone because Patrick Morris, it's not like he was an incumbent starter, but that's who they kind of had penciled in. If they had to play football in the short term before the draft, it would have been Patrick Morris at center. Um, let's see. Who else? You got uh, Hamler, technically. He Hamler. Take- well, and I guess the slot, the slot yeah. is a starting – it's part of base with uh, the Shermer offense. So Hamler replacing Hamilton, I think that's another – you're right on that. Uh, Ojemudia, as I've been telling you guys the last couple of podcasts, is a sleeper pick for me to potentially – surprise people and take one of those two uh, starting corner jobs in base. I'm not necessarily making that as a bold prediction, but it wouldn't surprise me. I'm trying to think who else. I don't think Albert O is going to be still in a job unless there's injury to the depth chart. And for now, that would be it for me, Zach. And that's why this class chat is so high ceiling because the middle rounds on down from three round three down, they're all potential. They're not going to be competing for starting jobs, whereas the first three picks are pretty much grandfathered into starting roles. So I think Judy Hamler and uh, Cushenberry, the big three, going to have day one starting jobs. Christian is jumping in with a super to let us know that you only have Twitter or only have uh, Instagram, not Twitter. That's all good. Um if you do end up ever creating a Twitter account, it's really good for news. If you like staying on top of news, following the teams, following regular just 
news. It's a good app, social media for that. But if you ever do, just let us let us know and make sure you reach out and we will connect. All right, let's see what else we've got here. Jonathan wants to know. We'll uh, we'll try not to derail the podcast with this particular <laughs> topic, but he says, why did we pay Gordon? Why not try out Muhammad? Because Muhammad's small. They already had a diminutive running back, a heart the size of freaking Colorado, but Philip Lindsay, five foot eight, small guy, very physical, but they wanted a little bit more of a proven commodity to, I think, in Shermer's perfect world, execute his offense the way he has it envisioned and kind of take some of the pressure and potential wear and tear off of Lindsay. Kafani Muhammad is not that guy. Now, he can be electric at times. He's a, you know, if, if a fail safe option, like in a worst case scenario, you've got injuries, he's da- he'd be a dang handy running back to have around, but he's just not on the, on the level of Gordon. I'm not going to go on my tangent, but again, you want to help Philip Lindsay out. You want to keep him fresh. You spend $13 million guaranteed, Chad. That's still my biggest bone I pick with that. But um, Muhammad's more of a scat back, more of a, a Lindsay light, whereas Gordon, the Denver feels, is a bell cow running back. That's a big difference as to why he's there. And Muhammad's kind of on the outside looking in. Prank Film says, who do you think will be the most clutch, pl- uh, clutch player this season on the Broncos? Jumping in the $5 Super. Thank Appreciate you. you, my friend. The most clutch player... I don't know. That's tough. If we were, let's just say we removed Drew Locke from the equation. Who's the, who's got that clutch gene Sutton. in your opinion? It's that's, demonstrated, that's exactly what I was say. proven. I mean, he's a beast. He's a wide receiver one. I'll throw Judy in there. I'll throw Lindsay in there, but Sutton is the clutchest player on the Broncos roster on offense anyway. And we're creating words here at the huddle up podcast clutchest. And I agree. <laughs> he is the clutchest. Uh, Jody says that, uh, Justin Holland will play inside. I think that you're talking about Hollands, right? Uh, not Jeff Holland, who the Broncos cut almost a year ago. I don't know about you, Zach, but Justin Hollands looked like a fish out of water and a straight-up liability. Anytime the Broncos played him at off-ball last year, I know in a perfect world they liked his ability to rotate inside, outside. I don't think he's got it in him. He, you know, He might be smart enough to do it, but he doesn't have the skill set to do it. I think – if he ends up sticking on this roster, it's going to be as an edge defender. Yeah, he was a fish out of water with missing gills, Chad. It just wasn't a good look for him, and he's not where he should play. And the Broncos kind of Demarcus Walker, Justin Hollins last year. Put him at outside. Let him let him rush the pass, which what he did best at Oregon. Don't change what he does best. Don't fix what isn't broken. I think he'll play outside. James jumping in uh, to remind Kenneth on that question of which rookies could steal a starting job. Asang Bassey, he says here, I really like Bassey. Could easily start at nickel. Douglas Coleman, Texas Tech guy we talked about. Rangy, hard-hitting ball hawk safety, experienced in multiple coverages. Levante Bellamy, a Lindsay-type running back, quick and good hands. All three are really interesting players. The only one of those I could see potentially still in a starting spot, though, would be Bassey maybe as a nickel, de- depending on how you define starting. You know, just kind of in the same way that when, a, when Tlaib and Harris were here, you, call it, you consider Bradley Roby a starter as that third corner that would come in because they play so much nickel. In that sense, yes, I could see Bassey potentially dark horse stealing a starting job. Super dark horse. I just think with uh, Callahan, that $21 million investment, you trade it for Boye, use a third-round pick, and Ozamudia. I mean, that would be a, an epic shocker if he's a number three cornerback. I think he'll make the team, Bassey. I just don't think he'll work his way up the depth chart that high. All right. Brian's saying that Zach did his homework. His 53-man roster should be hanging on everybody's fridge. Appreciate that, Brian. Uh, Steve, you're welcome, my friend. You know how much we love you and appreciate you. Uh, let's see what else here. Oh, donation. Thank you, Brett. Uh, let's see what else here. Oh, donation. Thank you, Brett. 
Hello, gentlemen. Do you think any of our potential cuts could be tradable for future assets? So let's just say the Jeff Hiremans of the world, um, maybe a Royce Freeman, maybe a Hamilton, maybe a Todd Davis. There's a lot of maybes in there. I think the only one to me that jumps out as really being obvious is Hireman. And from what I heard, his name was utilized in some of the talks that the Broncos had in terms of pre-draft, during the draft, maybe maneuvering. Not a lot of takers on the Hireman market. There's just, I mean, he just hasn't really been anything other than a slightly below average tight end with injury problems and a little bit of a reputation for things that I don't want to talk about behind closed doors. He's got a little bit of that too. And honestly, I don't see the Broncos necessarily trading any one of those at this stage. We'll see though. It's still so early. The thing about Hireman, too, it works against him. If you look at the the over-the-cap right now or spot track, there's so many good available veteran tight ends on the open market. Jordan Reed and, and Lance Kendrick, so many more accomplished, better players than Jeff Hireman. So he has zero trade value. I can actually see, though, Deshaun Hamilton being flipped for a sixth or seventh round pick, Chad, later in the summer. If he loses a competition to Winfrey or anyone, any any young wide receiver, Hamilton, fourth round pick, Comes from a big program, has starting experience. I can see him being moved for a six or seven, but anyone else, no trade value. Harry, the stream passed by your card, so I can't show up at one of our true superstars jumping in. Appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. Up in Canada, proving as always that Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. He says, I can't wait to watch all this talent hit their head on the goalpost, just like my uh, BC peeps need – oh, Wait, BC. Oh, Broncos country peeps. Man, I suck at interpreting. I was these confused things. there too, and I'll feel bad. Um, hit the like button, hashtag state of being, hashtag Broncos world. Amen. And thank you for that reminder, Terry. Guys, make sure we got about, I don't know, three, 300 or so people watching live on YouTube. I don't know what the current number is on uh, Periscope or Twitch, but if you're on any of those platforms watching this live, do us a favor and, and hit that like button. It helps out a lot. Hit it, smack it, smash it, tap it. But just make sure that like button is pressed in some capacity. All right, guys. I'm going to grab David, one of our superstars here. Paste it in, and here he is, David Kilgore, jumping in with a $5 super, if, if my computer will show it. <laughs> Thank you, David. Appreciate you, my friend. Any chance we drop Jeff Driscoll and get Andy Dalton mm-hmm. as the quarterback, too, would be a great veteran backup, in my opinion. Look, as far as – a fail-safe and a veteran that has some experience, I think he does kind of check a lot of the boxes that you look for if you didn't already pay some money to Jeff Driscoll. Right. And this is case in point, what we were talking about yesterday. Anytime a veteran hits the open market in any way, shape, or form, they get tied to the Broncos because of lazy national reporting. Now, in this one, in this case, you know, if we're really analyzing this unique situation of Dalton, I kind of like the idea but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. I don't think it, the Broncos are going to bring him in. I think right now they're so high on Drew Locke and they're confident enough in Driscoll that if something happens to Locke from an injury perspective, they feel like they could get by for a game or two. And like Zach likes to say, if something with longer-term implications befalls Drew Locke, the season's over anyway, whether it's Driscoll or, or, or uh, Dalton. 
And I think the Broncos went out of their way to get a backup with experience, but not a name backup. Not a Dalton, not a Cam Newton, not a Jameis Winston. They wanted to send the message to Locke. And looking back in hindsight now, this entire offseason has been about Drew. But they wanted to send a message behind him. It's your job. It's your quarterback. It's your team. We're not going to infringe on you. No one's going to look over your shoulder. No one's going to step on your toes. Driscoll's the perfect guy. A million-dollar guaranteed base salary for your backup. Is Dalton going to cost that cheap? No? I don't want him. Jake Gerard jumping in, one of our superstars as well, with the $5 super. Thank you, Thank Jake. you Jake. Will KJ Hamler be our punt returner, kick returner, and third wide receiver? And would that mean we can save one or two players that are on the roster bubble? What players would that be? I do think that he'll end up being the, the punt returner. What that means is Deontay Spencer is probably gone. Yeah. We don't have either of us had, uh, neither of us, I should say, had Spencer making the 53. Does that save anybody? I don't think it – I think what it does is it adds – it probably spells doom, not not so much saves anyone. It just means the Broncos can, as Zach had, maybe keep five instead of six wide receivers. And, like, they had to carry six for most of all last season because they needed that sixth spot for the returner. If you don't need Spencer, maybe you do only end up keeping five, and you add an additional offensive lineman or you add an additional off-ball linebacker or corner or whatever. And the thing about Hamler, if they use him, I don't. I think they're going to rotate punt return and kick return. They can't use him in both those spots and wide receiver. It's risking unnecessary injury for your high prize rookie draft pick. So if they if they use him on offense, he'll be either the punt returner or the kick returner, or there'll be some sort of uh, combination, uh, you know, competition there. So he's going to be involved on both sides of the ball, regardless. He'll make plays with his speed. Michael wants to know: Could Albert O get in reps to block, or can Noah Fant pick it up? Well, the thing is about Albert O, it's not his forte yet, similar to Fant as Fant was entering the league. But the big difference between the two is Fant learned all the pro techniques playing at at Iowa because of Coach Ferentz there. So he was as prepared as any imperfect blocking tight end entering the league as there ever was. And as you saw last year, you know, aside from just the discretion that you get from experience of knowing when to pull off and when not to pancake somebody at the point of attack and draw a flag and things like that, he was a very willing blocker. He's a very strong player. I think you're going to see Fant take a step forward as a blocker. Albert O, I think that's just something that takes tight ends a year or two to really yeah. hone. And, I mean, with Fant, again, I, I see progress, but probably it'll be a work in progress throughout 2020. I think you're going to see Fant, like Chad said, develop into that all-around tight end in year two, and he might have sneaky Pro Bowl potential if he can harness his blocking ability, which did come on last year. Alberto, I think the Broncos will keep it safe and simple with him. He's kind of a raw player. Go out and catch passes. He has the chemistry with Locke. They didn't draft him to block, Chad. They have Nick Vanette for that at tight end. They have Lyman for that. Alberto's going to catch passes. Done. Jose jumping in, $2 super. Thanks, my friend. More rushing touchdowns this season, Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay. Gordon's going to be the vulture. Mm-hmm. He's going to get those touches on the goal line and inside the five. So right now, my head tells me Gordon. My heart tells me Lindsay. More often than not, you got to follow what, what, the, what the logic is saying. Gordon's the workhorse. He's the bell cow. He's the goal line back. But Lindsay will have more receiving touchdowns than Melvin Gordon. George jumping in, one of our Super Chat superstars. Appreciate you, awesome, George, George. So consistent, Thank my you. friend. We really do appreciate that. Every podcast, and it's been great having you on just about every pod lately instead of that once a week. So welcome in. Good to see you. He says, 
the way Bowles played the second half of the season, I feel that we need to pick up the fifth-year option. I'm more inclined to agree with you on that, George, even though my, uh, you know, not everybody will, agree, will, will, you know, Bowles garners a lot of hate and for good reason. But again, the whole point of Mike Munchak was to salvage the career of Garrett Bowles, and it didn't look like it was having any measurable effect on Bowles Munchak the first half of the season. But lo and behold, eventually he really did turn a corner. I mean, he did have a couple of games where he was penalized from week nine on, only allowed one sack on Drew Locke, and I think he's trending in the right direction. Even though the Broncos are going to make him still compete for his left tackle job, he should. He's never played well enough to justify being a uh, you know, pencil him in without a thought incumbent. He needs to justify that position. So I'm glad the Broncos, whether they pick up the fifth year or not, are going to make him compete this year because he needs to feel the heat a little bit and make it needs to be communicated to him clearly that you're still on the bubble in terms of our future plans. I agree with what you're saying there. I feel like also if the Broncos were going to decline the option, they would have done it already. They wouldn't drag this out. They wouldn't have not drafted a tackle. All the the breadcrumbs are showing the Broncos will pick up the option. All right, let's see here. We'll grab Johannes. Johannes, sorry if I mispronounced your name, my friend. Really appreciate that $5 super. Good receiving core are going to – Good receiving cores are going to pick us apart. We need another veteran corner for sure. We talked about this yesterday. Vic Fangio is confident that he's confident with what the Broncos have today. And what he's hanging his hat on is that the young guys need to turn the corner, which he th- he's got his eyes on two. My question is which two, because he mentioned two, but he didn't name names. He thinks two of them will. So who is he talking about? Is he including Ojemudia? Is it Yadam? Is it? Devontae Harris is a Duke Dawson. I don't know which two Fangio's really relying on, and we should probably include Devontae Bosby as well. Yeah. But he thinks two of those young guys who were hit and miss last year are going to be bona fide, uh, turn the corner 2020. I don't disagree. They need a veteran cornerback, and we've been pounding the table for Prince of Mukamara chat for two months. But what's a secondary's best friend? And that's a pass rush. And the Broncos will have a loaded pass rush this season with Vaughn Chubb, Jarrell Casey, Draymond Jones, all the pieces, Shelby Harris, all the pieces they have on defense that will help the secondary. Even if they don't sign another corner, they're relying on the Adams, they're relying on the Ojemudias, relying on Callahan coming back. The pass rush should be able to offset the secondary inconsistencies, I believe, with Vic Fangio. Buona Beast reminding everybody that Alexander Johnson has some allegations that were untrue that basically crushed his career at Tennessee. I think that that is the story. We were the only team to give him a chance. Yeah. I mean, he was exonerated. So, uh, you know, from an ethical perspective, you know, like if I'm raising my sons, I'm, I'm trying to raise them and teach them not to put themselves in positions that Johnson was in with young ladies that ended up allowing him to be accused of doing something heinous. I would hope that my sons would have better character than to put themselves in that position. But there's a difference between ill-advised ethical, you know, questions and actually committing crimes. And that's where he was exonerated. So in that sense, the Broncos are just happy to have 
AJ Johnson because man, Zach, what a revelation he was last year. I remember writing that story, Chad, when they first signed him. I mean, right after he got cleared, the Broncos pounced on him. They they beat out the Falcons, I believe, for his services. That was the heavy favorite to land him, and it couldn't have been a better pickup for the Broncos. He was a stud at Tennessee. He was going to have a really good NFL career. Unfortunately, that happened. The allegations, he was, you know, they were proven to be false. He was cleared of that. And the Broncos got a really good player at a major, major discount. Bonabies reminding everybody, drop a like. We really appreciate it. Uh, Kenneth Booker asking, do you see us as a pass happy team or a run heavy team with big plays off of play action? I think it's going to be honestly with Drew Locke entering year two, I think you'll see this team kind of lead with the run, especially early on. And if things seem to really click for Locke in terms of taking that next step, that balance could shift and it could end up being a kind of a pass first. But there's a reason they added a Lloyd Cushenberry. They added Glasgow. They added Natani Muti and Melvin Gordon. They want to run the ball, and that can be the best friend for a young quarterback. And Vinette, too, who's a pretty solid run blocker. So all all of the personnel moves align to that. I'll say it's going to be a 55-45 split uh, pass to run. Just with Shermer knowing him, his three wide receiver sets, they did pick up two game-breaking wide receivers in the draft. They're going to take to the air, but they're going to lean on the run, lean on Lindsey, lean on the ground game, Melvin Gordon, and feed off that with Locke in his first year as a starter. I agree with Dylan here, one of our superstars, big-time member of our community. Bowles showed improvement toward the end of the season. You got to let Munchak work. I agree with that. Uh, Charlie jumping in. What is Nick Vanette's specialty? He's a blocker. And he's not a great blocker, but that's, right. you know, if you had to hang your hat on one thing for Nick Vanette at this stage in his career, he's a more proficient blocker than he is a prolific receiver. You know, he can do both, but he's going to be utilized more as a blocker in this offense. Still don't like the signing, though. I don't know. It just sits wrong with me, Chad. Just seems like a waste. I yeah. Don't know. God bless him. There's, it's nothing against him. It's just that the Broncos had a log jam and uh, just a weird, weird allocation of resources. All right, let's grab TG jumping back in. Thank you, my Thank friend, you. one of our true superstars. TG, have you – it's been a while since I, I've asked. I'm, I can't recall now off the top of my head. But you should, uh, if we haven't sent you some swag over the over the last six months or whatever, email me milehighhuddle at gmail dot com and uh, get me your personal deets and I'll I want to send you some stuff, maybe a hat, maybe a hoodie, something like that. We really appreciate you. Yeah. He says Jason Peters had ten penalties allowed, three sacks on two hundred and seventy less snaps than Bowles, so pass on him. And it's true that Peters, while that's news to me, I haven't investigated Peters. I'll be straight up; I haven't even looked at any of his recent. Um, his last couple of years, but he is getting long in the tooth, Zach. Whether or not you know you like him as an option for the Broncos, he is 38 years old. Father Time remains undefeated. Tom Brady's still fending him off like a Heisman right now. Father Time, but eventually Father Time will claim him as well. And not everybody can be, not every offensive tackle can be Andrew Whitworth. But he's also a nine-time Pro Bowler, a two-time first-team All-Pro. The guy is bona fide. Can Garrett Bowles make those same claims? If you asked 99 people out of 100, who's a better tackle, Jason Peters or Garrett Bowles? Broncos fans included are going to say Jason Peters. And you'd be signing him to be the backup, to be the depth, the insurance, the fail-safe, not as a starter. So if you can get a nine-time Pro Bowler as a potential backup, why wouldn't you do that? Chris jumping in, $2 super. Thank you, Chris. And if you are on uh, Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect. Let us know who you are. Let's see what's on Jeff's mind here. 
you kind of answered this, but your favorite UDFA to make the team, Bassey, Bellamy. Yep. Um, Bassey is my odds-on favorite of the seven college free agents that were signed, followed by Coleman, followed by Bellamy. Now, if Royce Freeman wasn't on this team, I would be putting Bellamy at the top right alongside Bassey. But, you know, he could still make the team. Even with Freeman on the roster, they could end up keeping four running backs. It just depends on how the roster mass shakes out. But, yeah, probably Bassey, Bellamy, and Coleman are my three dark horse college free agents. Yeah, same. Jeff, you nailed it pretty well there. I, I will say Bassey has the best chance of making the roster, but at the very least, all three of those guys should be on the practice squad this season. Jess wants to know, is Derek Tuska the next Jared Allen? 13 and a half sacks his last season in college. I'm interested in seeing him play. Yeah, there great. is a little bit of tape on Tuska on YouTube that you can find. But yeah, I mean, the Broncos, there's, you know, the odds of him becoming the next Jared Allen, very slim. Jared Allen you know, one of the best pass rushers of his era. However, Derek Tuska has, he's a high upside twitched out big time athlete that needs a little refinement in terms of technique. And, you know, it's going to be incumbent on the Broncos defensive coaches to figure out how to shape him into a sharp tool, but he's definitely got the raw material to work with for these coaches. We'll see. We'll see. He's got the, does he have potential? Yes, but that guarantees him nothing. If he can be as a seventh-round pick, Chad, half as good as Jaron Allen in his career, the Broncos will be doing cartwheels. So that's a great uh, aspiration for him, but don't hold your breath on that turning out to be you know, to a T. James is dubious that Hamler's going to end up taking Spencer's role, Deontay Spencer, the returner from last year. If he shows up on offense, it behooves the Broncos to limit his special teams usage. I'm inclined to agree with you in terms of I would prefer him not to be utilized in the return game, but just based on what they've already said, it sounds like they're thinking they want him back there, uh, at least competing to see if he can be better than Spencer. And if he does show that, to them it's killing two birds with one stone, saves him a roster spot, catch you later. That's just how NFL teams think. Um, Higher learnings. Do you think Draymond Jones was a bad pick, seeing that our D-line signings, drafting Ajim, Jones looks so small and undersized comparatively. Honestly, higher learnings, I was more dubious of the Draymond Jones pick when it was made than I am today. Like he swung me down the stretch when the Broncos had the injury to Derek Wolf and some injuries were stacking up. Adam Gotsis with the knee, Demarcus Walker disappearing from the because of the doghouse. They really had to lean on Draymond Jones, and he showed out. I mean, not many Broncos rookie defensive players have won conference player of the, of the week, and he did it. He pulled it off, and I think the upside is there. I want to see him become more stout. You're right. From a size perspective, you know, he's not Derek Wolf, He's not Malik Jackson. He's not Shelby Harris. But he has the frame to put on some more pounds, and provided he works on his technique with Bill Kalar, I think he has what you need in terms of the material to work and shape. I think he's one of these under kind of a sleeper picks to really take a quantum leap yeah. forward in year two if he can get some real playing time, and I think he will. I agree with that. I, I wouldn't say I'm as high personally on Draymond Jones as you are, Chad, but I've warmed up to the pick. I wouldn't say it's a bad pick. I wouldn't say he's a bust. He has a lot to prove still, and the Broncos, if they were sold on him, they wouldn't have traded for Gerald Casey and brought back Shelby Harris on top of that, but he can push for playing time this year, certainly. He can push for a starting role, potentially. He can be Shelby Harris' successor when if Harris is gone next year. He has to prove it, though, but if he can do in a Vic Fangio system with Bill Kalar as his defensive line coach, he's not going to cut it anywhere, Chad. 
All right, let's grab Kathy here, who asked, do you think we did enough via the draft and free agency to hamper Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, Watkins, Mahomes? If you want to be the man, you got to beat the man. And that's the truth there. But only time will tell. I don't know yet. I think the Broncos definitely provided Drew Locke with the tools. I mean, it's a significant upgrade on offense. Just Jerry Judy alone is going to do so much for, for Drew Locke. Then you throw in Hamler, Cush. It's really, and, you know, Glasgow as well. The pieces are there, but there's still so much we don't know in terms of how he's going to hit it off with Shermer and different things. Defensively, I don't think there's any any corner that can run and keep up Broncos corner anyway with Hill or Miko Hardman. Safety-wise, I don't know that there are anything, any changes really have been made to completely neutralize Kelsey. It boils down to fighting fire with fire, and we just aren't going to know until the cleats hit the grass, but I do think this is going to be an offense significantly improved. I really do. I think you're going to see a, a jump in uh, 2020, Zach. It's just I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't tell you if it's going to be enough. I still maintain, though, that I think the Broncos could split with the Chiefs this year, one up, win one at home and lose on the road. Yeah, you know, it might be a little homer tastic to say, but if Fant pans out personally also, I th- I like the Broncos' big four versus the Chiefs' big four. I think it's a better collection of talent. I like the receivers more, first of all, as good as Tyreek Hill is. But the main difference is and will continue to be Mahomes versus Locke. I'm a huge Drew Locke fan. Chad loves Drew Locke. We all love Drew Locke, but he's nowhere close to the stratosphere of a Patrick Mahomes. And until he is, that's always going to be the determining factor. The scales are always going to be tipped in the Chiefs' direction based solely on that. He's the best quarterback quarterback in the NFL, the best quarterback we've seen in generations personally. He's a snap away from being a back-to-back champion, one offside penalty away. Until that changes and Locke steps up to that level, it's always going to be a difference. He's got to prove it. He's got to take all that potential and hype in a good way and prove it out on the grass. So we'll see how it shakes out. Holden jumping in $5 super. Appreciate you, bro. You. Are you guys worried about injuries stacking up this year without the offseason workouts and mini camps? Delayed OTAs? Thanks for your great work. Appreciate you, Holden. You, and if Holden. you're on Twitter, reach out. Please let us know and we can connect. Um, I'm not too worried about it. I mean, it's a concern, but the best kind of precedent for what the NFL is dealing with this year is the 2011 lockout. And I, I mean, think back to that 2011 season as a Broncos fan, that was the Tebow year. I don't remember a ton of injuries for the Broncos. I mean, a little bit here and there, nothing. I'm trying to think, was there a season ending injury to a star player that year? I really don't think there was. So anyway, it, Look, the Broncos, they didn't need this because, you know, they've had some struggles with lower leg injuries um, the last couple of years with their new strength and conditioning coach. But I don't necessarily think this is going to set them back any worse than it will any of the other 31 teams. That's my point. It's it's an even playing field because every facility across the league right now is shuttered anyway. So we're the every team is forced to do virtual offseason programs. I, I would like to have the in-person physical reps between Locke and his receivers, but that will come in training camp. And the best thing for him, again, is no competition, no splitting reps, no IR, no inactivity. He's full go from day one, and I, I'm not worried about him or the offense for that matter. Freddie jumping in. Appreciate you, Freddie. $2 super to remind everybody and inform everybody in case you missed it. Von Miller is negative for that bug that shall go unnamed on this show. 
which is really good news. So yeah. good Jake, for- Laser, Jake Laser will break it ch- tomorrow, Chad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, Kevin jumping in. Appreciate that super chat, Kev. Reach out if you're on Twitter so we can connect. We got to believe in bowls. Hashtag Florida strong. Hashtag state of being. Thank you, Kevin. Awesome. Good to know you're down in Florida, and I agree with you. Uh, all right, a couple more guys, and then we got to get out of here for tonight. We don't want to leave any of our superstars out in the cold. Let's grab Kia Colo. Appreciate that $5 super, <laughs> Thank my you. friend. And if you are on Twitter, reach out and connect. What team in the AFC West is capable of covering Sutton, Judy, Hamler, Fant, and Lindsey and Gordon? Hashtag Broncos Country Hawaii. We have a few awesome listeners out there, and a couple of them being Super Chat superstars. So what's your answer? Do, do any of the AFC West teams have the means to cover this new collection of talent around Drew Locke? Well, first of all, it's presupposing that Judy pans out, that Hamler pans out, that Locke pans out. On paper, they're a dangerous foursome, but until they're proven, you know, we can't assume they're going to be the next greatest show on turf. The Chargers, I think, with Derwin James, with their secondary, I like Anthony Lynn as a head coach. I think he has a good system in place. They took a step back on offense last year, but I don't like the Raiders' defense with Gruden. I don't really like the Chiefs' defense until proven otherwise. I'm going Chargers. It has to be the Chargers if there is. If you're going to pick a team in the AFC West that presents the biggest problems that could foil the Broncos' new collection of talent, it's definitely the Chargers. I mean, they got cornerbacks coming out of their ears, plus Derwin James. So, yeah, my my selection there would also be the Chargers. Nad Ludlow jumping in. Appreciate that, brother. So consistent, bona fide, super chat, superstar. All right, let's see what else we got here, guys. Time is running short. Bear with me one second here. Jamal jumping in. Thank you, my friend. $5 super. Jamal, uh, Jamal, if you're on Twitter, reach out. I looked for you yesterday. I couldn't find you if there was an account. Um, Doesn't mean you don't have one, obviously, but I couldn't find you. So if you're on Twitter, reach out. Do you think we should have traded for Trent Williams? My answer to that is yes, and that's from a guy that has maintained a relatively optimistic posture on Garrett Bowles. I was in on Trent Williams. John Elway said that they kind of talked about it. Look, they, they didn't look into it, so to speak, because what they had heard is that his contract demands on the other side of the trade were a little bit more than they were willing to absorb. He wanted $20 million a year, Chad. That's almost franchise quarterback money for a tackle who was coming off cancer, coming off a lost season. He held out from the Redskins, no matter what happened there. And in hindsight, he showed his true colors, Trent Williams. Good player, but kind of a character concern. He vetoed that trade to Minnesota, reportedly. He, you know, he denies it now, but I have no doubt in my mind he would do something like that. I'm happy the Broncos didn't waste the draft pick or the money because... They wouldn't have, it wouldn't matter anyway. They didn't draft a tackle. They didn't sign a tackle. I think they're good with Bowles and James on the edges. I am Supreme with a PSA. This is true. Just Bomb Productions is a YouTube channel uh, that does spends a lot of time cutting up college film and making highlights for different prospects. So if you're into that and you like watching tape on college prospects and anyone that the Broncos brought in, including the college free agents, check out Just Bomb Productions. Malachi jumping back in, $2 super. Thank you, Malachi. Lock throw, throwing 4,000-plus yards and 35 TDs with these weapons. It's definitely possible. I think he's going to go over 4,000 in yardage. I'm just not sure it's going to end up being 35 touchdowns, but I'm not saying no. Like, it's possible. It's definitely within the realm of the possible, Zach. That would be him averaging a little more than two touchdown passes per game, which is, I mean, last year, five games in Scangarello's scheme – seven touchdowns. Then you look at the fact that Daniel Jones threw 24 touchdowns and 12 starts under Shermer. So that puts you closer numbers wise to what you're looking at here, Malachi. 
I think for Locke to hit those numbers, it'd have to be the year of Drew Locke. So he'd have to have a, a Mahomes year or a Lamar Jackson breakout year. I, I'm not too sure it's going to be that just yet, but I think the bare minimum, the barometer, the bar, over, under, whatever you want to call it, is 38 and 28 touchdowns. 3,800 yards and 28 passing touchdowns. That's way more than doable and a giant improvement on anything we've seen since Peyton Manning. And that beats Jay Cutler's Pro Bowl season in Denver in yeah. 2008. So keep point. that in mind. Dylan, the bottom line is Denver didn't want to give up draft capital to acquire Trent Williams. Bowles starts this year, barring injury. We agree on that. Kyle jumping in, $10 super chat. Thank you, Kyle. If you're on Twitter, reach out, let us know so we can connect. What's the likelihood that Natani Muti outshines Cushenberry and we go with a Reisner-Glasgow Muti over Reisner-Cush Glasgow? Very unlikely unless an injury strikes, basically. And Muti is not quite 100%. Right. Uh, I had heard uh, some conflicting info on that, but he's not quite – like if they had to play football tomorrow, if there was a game on the schedule and, and everything was normal, I don't think he dresses quite yet. He's just not quite there. So the likelihood, I would say, is quite slim. He's going to make for one heck of a swing guard, though, let me tell you. And, you know, gives him some freedom on Glasgow. I mean, they're pretty much tied into him for 2020 and probably 2021. I'd have to d- take another gander at the uh, details of his contract. But Muti gives them flexibility going into, let's say, 2022. So after Gl- Glasgow plays his first two years in Denver, it's a four-year deal. If they don't want to pay that money and they feel like Muti's pushing them and it's close, they could save some serious cash and uh, put Muti in, cut Glasgow. Muti, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a really solid NFL player for the Broncos. He can play tackle. He can play guard. He really doesn't have a permanent full-time position, future position set in stone just yet. I think Denver will want to take him along slowly, develop him. Don't thrust him into a starting job. Don't ruin his development. Cushenberry is an instant impact player. Day one starter, plug and play. Uh, I wouldn't mess with what's not broken right now, Chad. The Broncos drafted the right way, prioritizing center over guard. Indeed. And I know that Muti has left tackle, a little bit of left tackle experience at Fresno State. I don't know that he ever played any center. So snapping the ball, it's not just something any offensive lineman can do. Like it's right. you either have a, a knack for it or you don't. And it, I don't think he necessarily has that in his arsenal at this stage. All right, guys, that's got to do it for tonight's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. Hashtag Mile High Mailbag. Thanks to each and every one of you guys for joining us, contributing to the conversation in the chat stream. Reminder, please like this video before you head out. It's a simple, organic way to help support the show, and it helps to put this video in front of other like-minded Broncos fans who otherwise don't know about it. So you can help the show grow by simply liking this video. Meanwhile, guys, this is the last podcast of the week for Zach and myself. We're going to go and enjoy our weekends, and we want you guys to enjoy yours as well. We will be back in the saddle Sunday night, 615 Mountain, 815 Eastern. In the meantime, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's especially crucial for our Super Chat superstars. Reach out. Let us know who you are. Also, Mile High Huddle for breaking Broncos news and analysis as it's happening in real time. And my partner here, Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL. You can find me at Chad N. Jensen. And then check out the huddleuppod.com merch store. Get yourself a mask as things continue to slowly open up across this country. You still want to protect yourself when you're out and about. 
get yourself a mile high huddle mask. They're flying off the, sh- the, the figurative shelf uh, as it were. And then let's see tomorrow. I think it's Dove Valley deep divers. Yep. They're going to be on tomorrow night and Saturday as well. So again, this is MHH. We do a live stream and a podcast once every single day, seven pods a week, but Zach and I, we're going to, we're going to rest for now. So Zach, have a uh, great weekend, my brother. I will see you next month, Chad, and everybody else. (laughs) That's right. That's right. We'll see you guys next month. Thanks again to everyone joining us. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars. Thank you guys so much. We really do appreciate you. And we'll see you Sunday night. For Zach, I'm Chad. Talk to you then. Kathy Bates from Misery. And he's a great deep threat that can stretch the field. He was one of the most prolific wide receivers in college the last two years. During his sophomore and junior year at Alabama, he racked up two. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 